Welcome to another episode of Sales with Aslan. I'm your host, Tom Stanfill and Tab Norris. I kind of have an announcer voice today, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> you really do. I got to have a, I was doing, I was doing my announcer voice and practicing for this podcast and I feel like I'm a little over the top. Yeah. I know, you know the, what they say, Tom, you, you want to stretch bigger. Yeah. Go this bigger is, you know, in acting when I when right. I'm doing when I was on acting, Broadway. Right. Like gesticulate, gesticulate and make your voice go bigger. And okay. then, then when he gets you real, you back. bring it down, you pull it back, but you still have that passion. Mm, gotcha. And you okay. just you just right. miss that kind of let's bring it on back. <laughs> I never brought it back. Uh for those of us that are new to the podcast, that's my trusty co-host, Mr. Tab Norris, who we sometimes call Dr. Norris. Yes. Or the Chuck Norris of sales training. And I refer to him as the best co-host in the podcast industry. Wow. So uh, I'm Tab, great to see you. Uh, it's great to see you, Tom. Always good to be here. Well, Tab, we are we are introducing a show a little bit different than our typical format. We are talking about a show we recorded uh, in downtown Athens a couple of weeks ago with the infamous Todd Duncan. Yeah, and, he was uh, really good. I really enjoyed was, that time. He was amazing. I think I think uh, I'm going to start uh, listing his accomplishments uh, what, which, <laughs> in the order of what I think was the most amazing, most amazing to me. And maybe because I was in this industry, he became the number one loan originator. So salesperson in the banking industry at the age of 24. It really is staggering. That is just, I mean, because I that was my first job out of college. And, I, and you I, were what I, number? You I were was number, number 12? I was a tab. I was on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've seen, I've seen you publish that anywhere. You yeah, know, guys, well, you know that I was. Of our sales organization of 15, I was number one of the 15 sellers in our organization, I think my second year, Very but not in the whole country. So he became number one. He's written 17 books on sales and, and sales productivity and, and life management and how to have a bit more fulfilled um, balanced life, uh, 17 books. And most notably, I think related to our conversation that we had with him, which is high trust selling and the 14 laws that drive success in sales. So it was a great interview. Um, yep. I thought he, he, I was seriously, I took notes. I was inspired. And I think our listeners are going to love it. I, I love how he talked about making fear and failure your friend. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, I was like, yeah, I want to fail. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. I'm really yeah. good at that. It maybe it inspired me because if there's one thing I do well is failure. So yeah. I'm I'm inspired. I was I was inspired. inspired. He has a you talked about a process that guarantees your success. Uh he talked about how to drive tension uh, trust up and tension down. Um, I think maybe what I was most captivated by tab was, was how he talked about conversational productivity, because really mm -hmm. the ability to get the customer to open up and have a fluid, deep, deeper level conversation ultimately drives our success. It determines our ability to, to, to uncover those informal decision drivers. What's their pain. It also, the better we get them to tell us their problem, the more they trust us to fix it. So it's just, yeah. it was just some great tips. So I'm, I'm super excited about sharing this for our listeners. So to have anything you want to add before we turn it over to our, um, to Todd and join our interview in progress. No, you did a great job setting it up. Let's. What let's about get the voice? To... What about no, the yeah, voice? Yeah, it's come down to perfection right okay. now. Okay, just All brought right. it right on down where it belongs. <laughs> just a good, passionate Tom. So. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoys this interview as much as we did. Todd Duncan, 
man, we're excited to talk to you today. I've, I have followed you from afar <laughs> for now, I hate to say it, maybe 30 years. I started in the mortgage business. Wow. I know. Did you I have no I, I idea that our history yeah. went back three decades because mm-hmm. that's exactly <laughs> when I started the company. You must have been one of the newbies at the front end, Tom. I was. I, yeah, I heard it. You got you to hear this guy, Todd Duncan. He's amazing. He's unbelievable. And I'm like, who's Todd Duncan? <laughs> and he, well, he's not. He's the number one sale, seller in the world. I think that was the way they were described. And so, yeah, so excited to, to learn from you. I mean, like we talked about in the intro, you've, you've written 17 books, which I find just unbelievably, um, incredibly uh, impressive because I've written one. So I don't know how you do it 17 times, but, um, but really excited to have you. I'd love to start with this, I, this the, the accolade of being the number one seller in the world. So, you know, obviously our audits are, uh, are in the nation our audience are all sellers. And so we all want to know how, how do you get to be the top and, and what was your secret? And then obviously I'd love to dive into your best selling book. I trust selling. Yeah. Can I add something here? No, you can't handle, I can't even handle the first question. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just going to make it more complex, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the age of 23, I believe. Correct. Did I not say, yeah, 20 did not say that. And that's really important. <laughs> And I, and the thing is, it's legit because I know the business, like they know this in the business that Todd is in or was in and um, now serves, I guess you serve all, you can tell us about all the industries you serve, but so yeah, they, they keep up with that kind of stuff. So, so this isn't just something made up. So yeah. Tell us what, how did you achieve that, that uh, ranking? Well, yeah. So let's, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to making an impact. Um, I think, I think the, the thing I'd like to clarify at the very front end is I've been studying trust since the age of 23. Mm-hmm. Obviously I learned it early on with my mom and dad with, you know, some boundaries and, and core values and things like that. Right. But um, when I got into business, I, I, I really began to understand that if people don't trust you um, they're not going to buy from you. And, yeah. and you just take the word buy out of it and, and let's de-emphasize seller for just a moment. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to convince people of great ideas and, and when we have products and services, we, we all want to be able to provide those products and services. And what I learned very early on is that there's two forces that fight each other all the time. Um, mm-hmm. One of those is trust and whether it's high or low, and the other is tension and whether mm-hmm. it's high or low. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that most people that sell try to sell in an environment of high tension, low trust. Uh, it's mm-hmm. product pitches, it's pitch decks, it's you know, it's conceiving ideas and 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 selling them and promoting them and, right. and and even talking so much and oftentimes passionately about what they are trying to sell or promote, but they haven't they haven't created the foundation yet, which is trust. And mm-hmm. so tension and trust fight all the time. And if trust is low and tension's high, <clears throat> people are going to say no. They're going to postpone meetings. They're going to cancel engagements. They're they're going to give you objections. You know, it's pretty straightforward. But if if trust is really high and tension is really low not only does the sales conversion influence conversation happen faster, but it happens more deeply and it happens in a way that fosters loyalty. And I don't think there's anybody listening to, um, you know, this, this, this conversation that we're having today on this, that doesn't believe that customer loyalty is a really good thing. That repeat business is more profitable than new business and that referral business closes faster than non-referred business. So it was that early, 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 early kind of 
conception of trust. And so my mentor at 23 said, before you, before you really get going, literally, I have, I'm two weeks in the, in, in the business. Oh, really? Okay. And he goes, you have to make a decision right now. And the decision is you have to choose between transactions or relationships. And then he paused and I was such a neophyte. I said, what do you mean? Aren't they the same? Yeah, right. goes, Why do I have to make a choice? <laughs> and I, and so I look at him, I go, what's the difference? And he goes, this is exactly what he said. Transactions will make you a living. Relationships will make you a fortune. And I decided oh, at the age of 23, ooh, I, like that. I was going That's to a quote. be about relationships, period. Right. I have people today, and Tom, you go way back to, you know, when I, when I started this company, I got people today that 30 years later, are still signing contracts and still sending checks and still engaging us. And it is unbelievable. I got more impact in the world, almost 6 million clients because wow. of relationships and not cold calls and not auto marketing right. and none of that mm -hmm. stuff. So that's how it all got started, guys. I love that. And by the age of 24, I was number one in the company. Wow. Okay. Uh, awesome. I love what you said about trust. And I love that you talked about it being a decision because we always talk about the decision that you make before the meeting is actually more important than what happens in the meeting. Cause it is a decision because there's somebody that's first, it's either your first or their first. There's no option. It's like, you have to make a choice. And if you don't make a choice, the gravitational pull to, to self is so strong. That's going to drive the conversation. Yeah. It goes so far as to understand that trust is the, it's the greatest currency. Mm -hmm. um, it's more reliable than any dollar, any Bitcoin, any crypto. Trust is currency and trust is influence. And it's a super simple thing to say to everybody watching this. If people don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you. And so yeah. how do you then create real trust? Because there's no such thing as manufactured trust. Trust can yeah. grow over you can't time, fake it. but that's not manufactured. That's this, that's relationship. If I could manufacture trust and come up with an SOP on it, life would be a lot easier, but it's not that right. easy. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so how do we, I mean, I'm sure that's the focus of the book, High Trust Selling, which I heard that's in, that's the 20th anniversary of that book. Congratulations. Yes. Still um, going, man. Still going. Got to get that book. Got to get it. I bought it. It's an amazing book, um, and we'll, let's. I'd love to dive into that. So, but speaking of trust, though, I mean, is that does it take? What's required to build trust? Is it is it, you know, is it take a lot of work, or is it just a decision, or how, how do we do it? Well, so there's the 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 first thing that's really the easiest thing to say is you got you got to understand that that it is the only thing that really matters. Mm -hmm. And and so if you understand that it's the only thing that really matters, and by the way, um, there's product trust, there's company and brand trust, there's performance trust, there's pricing trust, there's all kinds, <clears throat> excuse me, of trust derivatives. But at the, at the start of everything, um, depending on what service or product you represent, there's got to be some intentional emotional connection that gets people to understand that you believe in the personhood and the relationship versus just the economics. And what we tell people is that you've got to really begin to look at the questions you ask, 
Mm-hmm. You really have to look at, at how intentional are they in terms of creating connection. <clears throat> and then you have to really get into this idea of, I want to build most of our interaction around that. So mm-hmm. at some level, a service, at some level, a product has emotional impact. And what we know from Gallup and what we know from Edelman Trust Barometer is the, the deeper the emotion, the higher the margins. The deeper mm-hmm. the emotion, the faster the sale growth, sales growth. The deeper the emotion, the, the, the greater the loyalty and the referrals. So I'll mm-hmm. give you just one story so that okay. we can have everybody understand this. So <clears throat> I was working with a, um, a company in January. We had about 220 of their salespeople online, and we were talking about a concept called conversational productivity. And we're just talking about, do you really think about the questions you're going to ask? And do you really believe that to be a a top performer, you really ask less questions that have more impact rather than many questions that has little impact? Right. So I I said to everybody, I said, so if you could think think about it and you could think about your, your client and you could think about the next meeting, what would be one question that you could ask? that if you ask it the right way and it works like we're thinking it's going to work, that would be the only question you have to ask mm-hmm. to close. One question. One question. <clears throat> so um, so we get back on, I give them all an assignment. They had to do it 15 times during the month with 15 prospects. So this guy, Tim, gets on and he goes, I, 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 uh, I had a meeting with a couple, husband and wife, moving from Anchorage, Alaska mm-hmm. to Lake Oswego, Oregon. <clears throat> and... We were on Zoom and I went live and I looked at them and I addressed them and I said, I'm a lot different than a lot of people that can help you buy a house. I'd like to really make sure I understand your goals and what's important to you about the entire experience. So if I could begin, I want to ask one question. What would it mean to you to own a home? Mm. And that was it. Mm. And yeah. <clears throat> Within about five seconds, the, the the wife is crying, and twenty seconds later, the 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 husband is crying, and Tim just let it flow. I, I told everybody, when you see the emotion, do let not it go. Engage, right? Yeah. Just yeah. let it happen. Yeah. And you know, they gathered their sorts, and and he said, "So tell me what that really means." And he mm-hmm. goes, "The the the husband said, if we could get a home, we would be the first couple in the history of our lineage of our ancestors." Wow to own property. Wow. And the lender looked at the borrowers and said, I'm going to help you do that. Are you ready to get started? The whole thing. <laughs> That's a one question. question. Took less than five minutes and that loan closed. They now own a home and just imagine how many friends are going to tell about that lender and that experience. And we, we've got we've to get away from thinking about the mechanics of selling. You, you don't sell anything. Buyers people buy when they're ready to buy. They, they don't you're buy. Faci- you're the guy you're sell. facilitating. Right. Yeah, but, but, but even then you, you, you can't even think that my job is selling. Mm-mm. My, no. my job is, is connecting and then it's helping. And if I help all the time, then I never have to worry about business anytime. It just keeps mm-hmm. coming. So that's, that's a big deal right there. And so, you know, take the spotlight off yourself, put it on the customer. You don't matter. The only thing that matters about you is that you make an impact with the people that you serve. And I saw it in your bio, you know, it's all about serving and Mm -hmm. you're more successful and fulfilled when you serve. Yeah. You don't sell, you help. 
you don't sell you help. You're a solutionist. People, people need to understand if I just bring solutions to people, mm-hmm. whatever they are. <laughs> you talked about, speaking of, I love your focus on how you position and, and questions and getting at the emotions and what's important to the customer and listening with the intent to solve a problem, not sell a product. I love that. But it's, it's so difficult to get people to shift from my stuff because we're in rooms all day long. We talk about our stuff all day long. We think about our products ourselves. I mean, you know, we, we never dream, we never have a dream where we're not in it. We're the center of the universe. Everything revolves around us naturally. So to get people to shift and to be comfortable doing that is difficult. And you've talked about, I've heard you talk about um, uh, sellers getting lost in the conversation because they <laughs> don't quite know, because people can go anywhere. When you open that door, and you start asking questions. I think that's one of the reasons that sellers struggle to ask these great questions because then they lose control. They can say something that'll cause them to cry. They could go in a different direction. They don't know what to do. So how do you how do you teach sellers to to have that conversational fluidity where they can move and keep that a fluid process and not just go through their list of questions? I, th- I think it's I think the 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 easy answer is to understand the most powerful thing you can do as a seller is not think about all the questions you got to ask and hear answers to. Mm -hmm. The most powerful thing about being a productive sales professional is to let the customer take you on the journey they want. They're the hero of their story. You're not, Mm -hmm. uh, you're the guy. They're going in a direction. Well, you're not, yeah, but you're not, you're not the hero. No. The the client is the hero. You're guiding them to what they tell you they want. So why would I have, uh, you know, it's like, I'll give you an example. So I had cancer about six years ago and I was diagnosed with, uh, with prostate cancer. And, um, I remember early on with my doctor, um, there was this list of questions he had, you know, he had it out, he had his iPad out and he was going through all these questions. And, um, and when we were done with question six, he said, I think that's all I need right now. And I just asked him, I said, so how many more questions are there? And he said, there could be 15 more. And it was just like, it was like, okay, I don't need to go any further because what we have right now is enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people, excuse me, I think people, um, gosh, I think people don't, I think they underestimate the, 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 the amount of time it really would take to get somebody engaged to the point where they want the next step, whether it's an RFP, whether it's a, you know, purchase order, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And so I, I, I want people to start to feel comfortable that you can make a fortune if you focus on the relationship. I'll give you one more story because this is pressure, right? Sellers feel pressure. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a boardroom. I'm in, let me just say one story and then you can go anywhere you want. No, that's great. I'm in a boardroom. I'm in a boardroom with my partner and we're working with the fourth largest bank in America. And there are six people from the bank on one side of the conference table and two people, myself and my partner on the other side, all the chairs have been pulled apart. It was almost like the battle line. Adversary. It was an adversarial right. setup. <clears throat> so we were, your, were your chairs and, down low right. were looking <laughs> over you. <laughs> and uh, yeah. all yeah. I did go up, you know, and then I, no. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the, so it was the president of the bank, the, the head of human resources, the head of training and six or three regional managers, six people. So the head of the bank goes, so tell us about the Duncan group. That was it. Right. Mm-hmm. Was, there little, was there a little was there a little air of of condescension when you no, said no, that no, 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 no. Okay. we were we were one of was three it challenging members. okay no no all they 
they wanted to know, you know, just tell us about mm -hmm. the Duncan group. Yeah, That's got a fair it. Okay. question from any buyer, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so obviously being a high trust guy, I know I can't answer that. <laughs> and most sellers would launch into a pitch about their company, mm -hmm. who they are, it's how a trap. They are, how much they've done. Right. I looked at the president and I said, the Duncan group is many things to many banks and lenders to make sure we're the right thing for you. Help us understand what's important about this mm -hmm. training initiative to you. Wow. Zip it. Perfect. Let, that, that is them, perfect. let them feel the pressure to respond. And right. here's what happens. 45 minutes later, they're still talking and we're still taking notes. Right. I asked one question and got 45 mm -hmm. minutes of intel. Yeah. I took seven minutes to tell them some of the things I thought we could do. I asked if it sounded good. They said, yes. I said, what's our next steps? It's like a, you know, a little bit of a close. Mm -hmm. And the head of training goes, we have two more vendors to interview. We'll get back to you. Has any seller ever heard? We'll get back to you. Well, if you leave that conversation with, we'll get back to you without when you will get back to us, you're yeah, losing yeah, the sale. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I said, what time frame do you think you might be able to get back to us? And they said, yeah. we'd like to make a decision within two weeks. I said, fantastic. And so we left, um, went down seven floors to the bottom, went to the security guy, hand wrote six thank you cards, gave the security guy <clears throat> 20 bucks. And we said, mm -hmm. take this back up to floor six and deliver them to this company. And so they got a thank you card within, you know, 10 minutes of the, the meeting being over. And then every wow. other day for 14 days, we sent them a testimonial from another bank and we got the deal. We got the deal. It was a, it was a six, a uh, high six figure deal. <clears throat> and, um, we always ask like, so tell me what made you feel, 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 you know, Emotional. tell me what made you feel comfortable choosing us. Do you know what they said, you guys? What? They said the other two vendors didn't have a clue what we needed. <laughs> right. And they, and you, and they wanted to train the sales reps. Right, right. And so how, how would you like that? How would you like yeah, all your Yeah, so you want, us to, you want to teach your sales reps to do what we just did, which is throw up. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm, what, I'm, what, I, so what I'm saying is I'm trying to demystify and clarify. Yeah. This is not hard. But it really so isn't. It's very so counterintuitive. It's very right. counterintuitive, but it's not hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, it goes back to the thing you said in the very beginning, Todd, which I thought was so powerful. Let's like forcing yourself to really pour into that one question. You know, there may be others, but really kind of putting a huge emphasis on that, because if you start it right, you know, you can go down the right path. So that's good. Well, you know, you, you also talked about Todd at the beginning of the call, you said there's, there's, there's trust and tension. Mm -hmm. And you're managing that. You're managing trust can be high or low. Tension can be high or low. But the way that you position that, the way that you said we, for us to determine if, if we're the right firm for you, I think that's, there's, there's brilliance in that little statement, if, and how you deliver that is to saying, we may not be the perfect fit. We don't know you. It, all, all, you know, all assumptions are arrogant. I'm here to determine what is right for you and determine if we're the ones that need to serve you makes them go, okay, well, this, that's it. It immediately eliminates tension. A hundred percent. And mm -hmm. what, what, what we need to understand is that most sellers, if they are feeling tension, they don't even know they're doing it, but they'll create more tension. 
because when you feel the tension, you feel like I got to respond to it. I got to get it going. And, and mm-hmm. this is so, this might sound like a foreign language, but I'm going to, I'm going to look everybody in the eyes and, and tell you right now, you could cut your conversations by 80% in terms of time in a conversation and get five to six times a conversion rate by asking 80% less questions that have 80% more value. It's the typical 80-20 rule. And you don't have 20 questions you have to ask to get the sale. Well, and if you're asking that many questions, it's not going well because you're talking talking (laughs) too much. You're interrogating these poor people. Right, and because because it's so formulaic, the heart's gone. Yeah. There's no heart in it. It's just stainless it's, you know it's a yeah like it's like they're trying to yeah it's not it doesn't percent. build relationship you know and you talked about trust at the beginning you were you were talking the benefits of trust as a long-term uh benefit you know it creates loyalty i also think trust at the beginning of the conversation like when you position things the way that you did or you ask the right questions or you demonstrate that your purpose is to serve it opens up the conversation immediately there's benefits from the beginning when you start building trust because they start to tell you things that they don't tell other people they open up and there's more transparency the comfort zone expands and they start to communicate at a different level they kind of lean in and say well, here's what's really going on, or here's what we really need, or here's what we're really afraid of, or that's not, we're not really sure what to do there, or we really don't have this much money. And when they start to do that, you're getting information that you can, you can use to not manipulate, but to serve them better and more effectively. And that's when you, that's when you win. It's always in your best interest to, to put the customer's needs first, but it, it, it's not, it's, it's not what we naturally do. I think we put too much emphasis on the mechanics of selling and we forget what really drives success, which is some of the, which is what you're talking about. There's, there's a desperation right now in the world for more trust. Yeah. And the thing that's really important is you don't have to be a, a distrustworthy or an untrustworthy person mm-hmm. to be distrusted. You can be in an industry that is distrusted. You can be with a company where a buyer had a bad experience four years ago, not with you, but somebody else that's no longer there and you're distrusted. It doesn't mean you're untrustworthy. It just means somebody's previous experiences. I don't trust that brand. Exactly that right. Yeah. And what I, yeah. what I think is important to understand, and I'll go all the way back where you guys started out. The reason why I won fast as a 24 year old is because I stopped making cold calls where tension was high and trust was low. And I started making appointment calls where trust was high and tension was low. And I did that by referral only. And I started yeah. working with all I needed was one person who knew somebody. And if Bob could tell Shelly, you haven't heard of this guy, Todd Duncan yet, but I'm telling you right now, he's a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. I've asked him to give you a call to meet with you just to, to, to find out if some of the stuff I'm seeing that's so valuable would be valuable mm-hmm. for you. Meet right. with him. So I don't have any call reluctance and she already trusts me, even though we haven't done any business together because somebody she trusts said, this guy's a game changer. And so that's at the very, very start. And then you get to an appointment. That's a strategic, that's just a great strategy. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's Love talk it. a little bit more about the book because, you know, we're, there's you you unpack 14 laws uh in the book which obviously we don't have time to go into to all of those but obviously the book is is still relevant today i mean these are principles these are laws that will never change and so they're still applicable there's no new truth i love how you package the truth but i wanted to dive into a couple of these laws like one of them 
you communicated, um, it may be the first one, but it's the law of the summit. Your direction is result of your perception. That captured my attention, and I thought that was brilliant. Tell us more about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so the, the, the real deal in that law is um, if you're going to grow your selling business, if you're going to grow your revenues, if you're going to grow um, your effectiveness in the marketplace, you've got to get better. And if you're going to get better, you're going to try things that you're not going to be good at when you try them. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about getting to the top, when we talk about, you know, arriving at the at peak performance, if you will, to use the metaphor, you're never going to get there unless failure is part of the experience. And I tell mm -hmm. people that there, there's really no such thing as success if there were no such thing as failing. And, you know, people understand that failure is failure, but they misinterpret it and they misinterpret the goodness in failure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, John Maxwell and I are good friends and he wrote a book called Failing Forward years ago. And, yeah. and the idea is if you're not failing, you're not growing. And, and yet there's this beauty around making a decision that failing is actually part of the recipe for succeeding. Just like you can't have hot without cold, you can't have loud without soft, you can't have fast without slow. You can't have success without failure. So we teach people to make failure your friend. We teach people to understand that the only downside of failure is repeated mistakes that have created that failure before. And so if you're not failing, you can't learn, but you can fail and not learn, which is even worse because then you make the same mistake again and the mm -hmm. same mistake again. And, and when you understand that law, you take fear, which is generally described as false expectations appearing real. And when that. you have a healthy appetite towards failure, you can now face everything and rise. It's still the word fear, but it's a different mindset. And if you face everything and rise, then fear can actually mean feeling excited and ready. Like I was scared to death to make sales calls. But when I got really good at realizing it's not a sales call, it's a relationship call, then I didn't fail at it anymore. And then I went from call reluctance, listen to this, guys, to mm -hmm. call excitement. What if every seller had nothing but call excitement? Mm -hmm. You'd call on better people. You'd, you, you'd do more things to keep loyalty going. You would add more value. So, yeah, you, I love you, can't, that. you can't be That's at the good. top. If it were easy, had, everybody would be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, there's an, I mean, oh, there's so many that I'd want to dig into, but I, I was intrigued by the law of the ladder. Mm. Kind of the whole idea about success you achieve is directly related to the steps you conceive. Can you expound upon that one for us? Yeah, I think it, it's interesting. You know, when you when you start to marry everything up, you, you can't succeed unless you have some intentionalness to your plan, right? Mm -hmm. So the okay. law of the ladder says, what is the sales plan? I mean, what is what does it actually look like? And so we start with like, you know, what would you like? And just as an example, what would you like your sales revenue to be, you know, in the next 12 months or in three years? What is, what is that number? Okay. And, and when we look at that and we say, okay, that's a revenue number or that's a unit number or that is a, a you know, a dollar amount of, contracts or purchase or whatever it is right start there and it gets and then and then we start to truncate it down and and we we call it chunk down right and mm -hmm. so we take it all the way down to what has to happen today and so when we look at the law of the ladder you can't achieve an annual goal if you don't achieve a daily goal 
And so the daily goal is all that really matters. And then the most important part of the daily goal is whether you hit it or not. And then tomorrow, the most important part of tomorrow is, are you ahead based on yesterday or behind based on yesterday? And when we take people from a, you know, a 365 day kind Mm -hmm. of thought process down to what has to happen today, and then we marry it up with the law of the hourglass, which is all about putting a sense of rhythm and order to your business. All I have to do is help enough people win today where my numbers work, right? <clears throat> so I own a coaching company and we have, we have literally thousands of people that, that we coach and have coached. And, um, and every day we send them a reminder at five o'clock to go to our dashboard and log six numbers. And if they don't log them by seven, they get another email to nudge them a little bit. Mm. And if they don't log them by seven, they get get one more at (laughs) 1159.59. And if you're still up, go to the dashboard and put your numbers in because tomorrow is almost here. It's like a minute away. And if we don't have the tracking from yesterday, today's not going to have the punch it needs to have. And it's not, it's, it's, it, it's not exhausting. It's not, it's like actually mm-hmm. very free. So yeah. I knew, I knew that in my business, if, if I wanted to help 600 families a year buy and finance real estate, I needed to talk to four people a day and we needed three out of four to say yes. That's all we needed. Yeah. yeah. But you broke it down. Yeses had to close. And that was it. Tom, that's like our old checklist in the basement. Yeah, when we started, we started Adlin in 96, Todd. I mean, we we're in Tab's basement. Tab, you can tell the story. Well, yeah, I mean, it was great. And so we're down in the basement, you know, we, we, with no windows in Atlanta, Georgia. We didn't even start- know if it was raining. <laughs> we we're looking at each other and, and it was depressing. And we're starting from scratch. We have nothing. And so to keep us motivated, what we did is we said, we're going to start tracking how many, how many, every time we, we make a call, how many times it takes to get to a, you know, to somebody. And then we're going to just keep trying. We're not going to worry about that. We're just going to track amount of calls every single day. And then what we're going to do is over time, we're going to track how much money we make per hour by just trying to serve people to your point, just trying to connect with people that may or may not need to use our services. And it was fascinating because I mean, it was like, I don't even tell I don't even remember. It was like, I remember it was, do you remember the exact, I number? remember that a, that a, an hour was worth $5,000. I was thinking it was, four and I remember saying, if I get, if I give up an hour, I'm giving up $5,000. And that's how I stated. I love ticking that. We looked at calls, yeah. <laughs> discovery meetings with decision makers that yeah. led to meetings and it all back to the the latter. It's like we had the, we had the plan and it was the only way we got through it. Cause you know, we oh, went yeah. from but having, you know, being in offices and having, comp, you know, working for a company and having to pay, we had no guarantees, but we were passionate about our dream, but we got through it and became, that came very real to me. Yeah. Because we broke it's, it down. Um, it's it's super real and and what I want to do if you just give me two minutes I want to I want to piggyback on that because yeah. this is really the outcome of a high trust business model the outcome is you make more money per hour period. absolutely and I'm not being shallow if you look at the subtitle of the book it's make more money in less time with less stress who would not sign up for that I, I'm right? I want I want I'm that in. I want that so, but but listen to this so I yeah. I I, I, I <clears throat> I was in front of, I don't know, 4,000 people two Saturdays ago. And I was saying, 
you know, all it really takes to be successful is a 24 seven work ethic. And that's, you guys know me enough to know that's, I would never tell somebody 20, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a right. week. And, and everybody's kind of scratching their head. And I go, what's your belief window? I mean, what do you really believe is possible? And people are going, well, I'm not, what do you mean by that? I go, well, 24 seven, what if you just redefine that? What if 24 seven was like 24 hours a week, seven months a year? What would you like that work ethic? Right. And everybody's going, what, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, all yeah. we have to do, all we have to do is take you from like $50 an hour to a thousand dollars an hour, or $2,000 an hour. And pretty soon you can do in a decade what the rest of the world takes 40 years to do. And yeah. listen, so those numbers we send out every day, guess what? One of the numbers is we do every 14 days. How much was your hourly rate for the last two weeks? No way. I love we it. Take people, Ooh, that's we take great. people from $32 an hour when they start in coaching to $1,000 an hour in 12 months. Wow. It, all we have is time. So the, the greatest- <clears throat> That's your greatest, greatest resource. Relationship is, hey, labor in should equal money out. Labor in, no money <clears throat> is stupid. Because all you're doing is working hard and, you know, the trite response is work smart. Well, people, people hear that, but they don't understand it. You know, there's about 20 things you do every day that don't earn you money. And there's about one or two that do. And the obvious is you should do the one or two things most of the day. Right. I love the accountability that you got built in the system because people are so crazy. You guys, people need <laughs> accountability. Crazy. People need they need accountability and people need accountability to do the things they want to do, but they, they, they struggle to do. And so I love that. And if people would just sign up, whether it's somebody they know a system, but, but put it down and, and, and look at it and commit to it and, and it'll happen. And you know what, you know what, Tom, the, the other thing is right here, I should say accountability is most evident when you trust yourself. When you trust yourself, you want accountability. When yeah, you don't exactly. trust yourself, you're afraid of accountability. Yeah. So trust is bigger than just a sales conversation. Every day you look in the mirror, you got to ask the question, do I trust myself? Yeah. You know? should I, should, is this an investment worth making? Right, right, right. I think people don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't think about like- Well, no, yeah, I agree. But it's like, I think, I think it's the decades. fear thing. You're going back to your fear thing. I think fear is such, I think fear in a lot, a lot of cases is a CEO, not a coach. And so it's running people's lives and rather than saying, okay, I'm going to learn from that, move on. It's, it's too tied to their identity. If I, if I make the calls and I get rejected or I do the work or it's just, I don't want to deal with it. So I just don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it rather than I love going through the process of saying, let's go through the process. You don't have to do it, but let's go through it. Let's figure out what we want to accomplish, what is required to do that, do the reverse engineering, and then tell somebody. Yeah. And, and like you said, reframe mm -hmm. what you think about, because the hard, the, the hard stuff is usually related to uh, rejection, the way we frame up the call. And it's not, it's not about being rejected. It's about making sure that people know or are aware of what you offer, and, and, and you're just making them aware of that. And so I remember when we thought it, we, we, you know, we teach people it's, it's really when you, when you, we call it drop the tension we talk about is drop the rope. So we say there's always a tug of war. And so when you try to pull, when you try to pull, they pull back. And just because you have a, on your business card, because it says sales rep and you, there's money involved, there's always tension. 
100%. Whether it's just completely perceived or you're creating it. But if you drop the rope like you did and say, I'm not sure if this is a need. I'm not sure if you're looking for another originator. I'm not sure if you have a need for the solution. I want to make sure you're aware of what we have to offer. And you just continue to make people aware of that and look for those relationships that can refer, refer you. They don't have to. And then, you know, it, if you follow the process, it'll happen. So just one comment on that, because I think you've just hit on something that is is so internal and 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 so real. You know, in in one of my other books that's entitled Time Traps, um, it's a New York Times bestseller. And one of the traps in there is the failure trap. Yeah. And the failure trap, getting back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, is wasting time on yesterday. Yeah. And when we took take a look at wasting time on yesterday, um, it is a self-perpetuating drill into a sales rut. If you don't figure out how to leave yesterday behind Mm -hmm. and start afresh today by being able to look in the mirror and have a positive, like, I don't like failing any more than anybody else likes failing, especially when you do it three or four or five times. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and yet if you have a positive attitude towards it, you learn what not to do. So listen to this. I'm going to say it real slow. I want everybody to hear it. The wrong way is the right way because it teaches you a better way. Beautiful. And if you have that attitude, the wrong way is the right way because it taught me a better way. Why would you not want to make failure positive? Mm-hmm. And when we look at, you know, we look at, at, at Edison and the, and the fire that destroyed his entire complex of innovation. Um, you know, somebody asked him, he said, they said, so, so you're always positive. What's good about losing everything? What's good about your entire campus burning to the ground? And he said, it's real easy. All my mistakes got burned up with it. <laughs> That's good. And listen, 90 days later, he invented the phonograph. Wow. You'd not have Spotify, Apple. You wouldn't have any of these, these music platforms if somebody at some point did not invent recording mm-hmm. music. So, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't re, you can't, you can't do anything about the past. Yeah, no, not true. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, good. Clarify. No, no. You can do everything about the past mm-hmm. as long as you don't make the same mistake in the right, future. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so right. you, 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 you can past, leverage the past to your point. The past you is it. the greatest lesson teacher we have. Right, right. But, and, and to your point earlier, Tom, it's like if you're ignorant of that, I'll, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. So people say, you just got to understand rejection. You got to just keep making calls. You just got to keep making calls. And pretty soon they're going to say yes. And I go, that is just crap. Mm-hmm. If, if I failed on the first call and I don't change strategy, I'm going to, I'm going to have to try to make a great first impression on the second call or the fifth call. Cause 80% of the salespeople make one call and quit. It's just wrong. It's wrong thinking. You have a flaw in your sales strategy. You have a flaw right. in your value proposition. You, you, you're not a bad person. You just, why would you keep making calls when every one of them hurts more without making an in-flight correction? We should be doing it better, doing it more effectively. And that is such a truth. They send the same emails, send the same message on LinkedIn, <laughs> say the same thing on the voicemail, same thing. And it's over. It's like it, it versus stopping and getting better. And one of the things we teach is that if you, the, the number one way to get somebody's attention, it's a guaranteed way to get somebody's attention is lead with what's on their whiteboard. Everybody's got a whiteboard, whether it's metaphorical or it's actually in their office or their home and there's something on it and it's what they care about. And if you, if you, if you say something that's on that whiteboard, they will always 
always listen because it's about them. It's not about you. You're making them the hero of the story. But it, to get sellers to stop and say, well, learn about the people you're serving. Like if you're talking to home buyers, they only care about what, five things? I, I made that number up, but there, there's probably four or five things they all care about or this most important to them. And if you if you want to get a meeting or a real estate agent you're, or a builder, you're, whoever you're serving, mm -hmm. what's on their whiteboard is pretty consistent to their profile. And But it means that you have to learn. Right. And do yeah. differently. 100%. And, you know, I think the other thing that, that you kind of alluded to that's part of that, but I want to make sure everybody understands, is the better you get at business, the better business gets for you. And people go, well, what does that mean? It's like, I remember early on, um, Tom Hopkins is one of my friends, you know, and he was the guy that actually got me started um, when I made the decision to leave lending and become a speaker. And I called him years later and, and I said, you know, I so appreciate how you helped me get into speaking, but I have one issue with what you teach and I, and I just want you to help me with it. And so Tom would always tell people that you got to have the mindset that every no is actually producing revenue for you. And the way he said it is like, if it takes you 10 calls to get a transaction or to get a deal mm -hmm. and the deal's worth a thousand bucks, then every time somebody said no, it's actually worth a hundred dollars. So put the hundred dollars in your pocket and keep on calling. And it just didn't feel right to me. It, yeah, it didn't yeah. solve the problem, right? And, and I said, I think that's a failed strategy. And he mm -hmm. goes, well, what's yours? And I said, mine is, to get so good that you only have to make one call to get a yes. And then that call is worth a thousand dollars. And he goes, well, isn't that a little naive? I said, no, if you're really good, you can do that. But if you're really bad, you might have to play that game. 10 mm -hmm. calls to finally get. Especially if you're making that. the same 10 calls over and over again for That's 20 exhausting. years. That's right. Exhausting. And so people won't do it. They'll stop. Yeah. And I have fun. Yeah, <laughs> this should exactly. be fun, man. You should be excited about what you sell and you should be excited about the impact it makes and selling should be fun. It should be relational. It's not like, that's why that first question, you guys, transactions, living relationships, fortune. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. What's another law you want to talk about? Man, I, well, Tom, I, I, I had the last one, so you're up. I, I have, you know, you're. Yeah, you I'd, I'd love to close with this one and then any other tips or tools or, or uh, strategies or philosophies you want to share with them. I'm all I mean, I'm loving this conversation. I wanted to dive into the law of the hook. <laughs> that one really intrigued me. I'm like, if, <laughs> if, if I, a captivated audience stays to the end. So in our, in a lot of businesses that we serve, you know, presentations is a big part of, of how they win a deal. You know, it, it, they narrow it from, you know, maybe eight companies to, to, you know, to four, then the last four have to make a presentation. It's very competitive. So that, and I'm sure that's true for any type of seller where it's, you're selling to an individual or selling to a complex organization. How do we keep people engaged to the end? So the, the, first of all, the end is metaphoric because the end is only the end when both the buyer and the seller um, die, right? Um, okay. Or retire. <laughs> okay. I, I love like that. that. Right? I love that. That's long, that's long term so, right there. So you're right? staying, I got a chance. Yeah. I've got <laughs> my, the client that has provided the greatest, the greatest revenue stream to me over the years is 78 years old right now. Yeah. And wow. he started when he was 20, 28, 29. And then I met him when he was like 35 or 36. And, and here we are, you know, almost 40 That's years great. later That's doing great. business together and it's millions of dollars. Wow. And, and, you know, and so 
how do I keep him captivated? One of the ways I do it is on the 16th of August, every single year at four o'clock, I send him a video message. He's in Australia. His birthday's on the 17th. Um, I send him a video message. He sold his company for almost a billion dollars. And I wish him wow. a happy birthday. I've wished, I've wished him a happy birthday for 32 years. Mm -hmm. And it keeps us engaged. I'm still doing business today with that company that I started doing business with when, you know, 30, 32 years ago, I think is when we started. But the, the, the idea of the law of the hook is, think about it. If you want a client for life, you got to add value during their life. You got to talk to them during their life. You, you can't have a client for life if you're not engaged with them during their life. So the law mm -hmm. of the hook is, how do I keep bringing people back? And so relationship management says, like when I was, a, I'll just give you, when I was a lender, I would meet with every realtor every week. And I had about 13 business partners. And every single week, I would ask them three questions. How can we be more efficient together? How can I help you produce more volume? And what needs do you have that we need to continue to solve or come up with new solutions for? Mm -hmm. Those are the three questions every single week. And it was a discipline every single week. And the only time it went from weekly to monthly was when we were so good that there wasn't any needs that needed to be met. And we were as efficient as we could be and production was off the grid. So we've got to understand that the, 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 the law of the hook is you got to keep people on the line. You know, it's not catch and release. You don't do one deal and say, good luck. Find it's another not transact. You don't look at it as a transaction. No, it's a relationship be. that's for life. Right. So and how can you know, I continue I, to serve them? Right. Right. And, and I think that, you know, when you, when you can ask a client that's doing business with you, how's it going? Do you have any needs that are on the horizon that I, I and my team need to get ready to meet? Is there anything we can do better for you? That's all hook stuff. Now, what is not hook stuff is auto marketing that isn't personal, that isn't interpretive and mm -hmm. selling, 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 selling. Handled by marketing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's great. I, I love it. Yeah. And I love the idea of, of, the end is death. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've never heard that. I like it's it. Like, like a, I wasn't, I was thinking the end of the, end of the meeting, end of the, yeah, the solution. Yeah, that's great. I love it really that. is awesome. You think about it, Tom, a lot of our clients, I mean, we've, we've worked with for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, and it's fabulous. And, you know, I don't ever want it to end. I mean. And all point. of this, yeah, and it's so great. Is it all of this, if you just if you simplified it down, and there's a lot of great strategies and, and um, skills that we've talked about and capabilities, but, but underneath all of it, it's really all about serving. Yeah. It's really about if you, if you, if you focus on serving the people that you, that you've been um, allowed to serve and you do that well, and you figure out what's important to them and how are you serving them? And you, you focus on what's, uh, what's their needs are and, and yep. discovering that it, it, and by the way, motive is ultimately transparent. So when that's not the case, they know it, they smell it. Um, 100%. Yeah. That was a thing that I thought was so powerful coming out through COVID. It gave us an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to serve people with nothing in return. Like yeah. calling customers and saying, I know you have no money. You're, you're in a tough spot. Guess what? I want to serve you. I want to help you transition. Whatever I can do, don't have to pay me. We'll figure that out later. We all get back on our feet. It was, it was just a golden opportunity mm -hmm. and to do exactly what, you know, high trust selling. That's what high trust selling is. Right. I mean, it, right. it, it fits. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you, if you take this great conversation and just, you know, focus it down to one thing, 
uh, to your point, Tom, and, and Tav, yours, the, the holy grail of high trust selling is the high trust interview. And so we've, yeah. we've created a downloadable document, okay, which is good at ToddDuncan.com. And it's the high trust interview. And um, it is the most profound example that I could ever give away for free to show you what you just said, Tom, which is okay. I got to serve. I got to, I got to learn what people need. Um, it's a generic guide and we put it, you just put in the show notes, let people come. There's no okay. obligation at all. And just, you know, just come and download it and just look through it. And it's just, it take it takes the high trust interview and truncates it down to three things you should be doing all the time and gives you examples of it. And I'm telling you right now, all you need is that the, the interview, okay. the interview is the interview, I-N-N-E-R. If I can get to the inner piece of this with people, right. I'll have them for life. Get to the if emotional drivers. Right. It's just mm -hmm. going to be superficial. And there's nothing, there's no value in superficial mm -hmm. relationships. In fact, it's almost an oxymoron. Yep. It, it is, yeah. This has been gold, Todd. Gold. Yes. I really, really loved uh, the- Let's uh, do it again. Yeah, I would yes. love that. I well, love, and, 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 and Todd, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at, you know, balanced life and business success. I mean, I want to, I, I could, we could do a whole pack podcast digging in onto that. So this has been we'll awesome. definitely have to do it again. I, hey, time. I'd be down. I'd be down for that only because the world is hurting right now. Yeah. yeah. People are really, really hurting when they look at the collision of, of no trust, no confidence in some of the world order, um, really tired and fatigued from zoom and from COVID yeah. wanting mm. to figure out how do I jumpstart everything again? So, you know, they need, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, people are struggling. It's yeah. not easy right now. So I, yeah. I, I think that's, uh, I would, We'd let's, I'd love to continue. Thanks for, for joining us. Everybody sure. download High Trust Interview. Buy the book, High Trust Selling. I also, uh, I love the, uh, the, 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 the name. Give me the name of the book about the failure trap. It's called it Time it? Traps. Proven Time, trap, Time Traps. Yeah, Proven Strategies for Swamp Salespeople. It's a game changer. It'll Yeah, it'll that also. sounded, that sounded like a must yeah. read. So yeah. thank you for joining us. Thank you for serving this community, yeah. right? We, we yeah. I love how, what you've been doing for the industry and the message that you're sending, you're making an impact. Thank you guys. We appreciate, yes. it. appreciate it very much. And thank you guys for your leadership and congrats on Aslan and, and how long you guys have been helping people as well. And uh, it's a joy to connect with you guys today. Thanks. Best Tom. wishes and let's do it again. All right, guys. Thanks, and thanks uh, for everybody for joining another episode of sales with Aslan and uh, leave Todd some comments and uh, reach out to him and make sure you download those tools, the high trust interview and buy his books, all of them, all 17. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, my all right, friends, take care. Right.